If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, friends, and happy Friday. Welcome to the first Friday in August. I hope that no matter what your Friday looks like today, or whenever you're listening to this, actually, that you have a really great day. I'm excited about our guest today. Kelly Masters came to Austin and sat down with me for this interview. And I was so intrigued with her story because if you've heard me say this once, I've said it a million times, stories are so important and they really do change the world. And Kelly has a story of perseverance and going after something that she believed in. And I think that's inspiring for all of us. Kelly is an attorney and a sports agent. And in fact, she's only just one of a handful of female sports agents. And also, not only is she a sports agent, but she has her own company. She was also named by Bleacher Report as one of the 25 most influential women in sports business. And her first book, High Impact Life, it just released. We talk about some stories from her life. We talk about what led her to go into this field of being a sports agent. And her story is just encouraging. I know it's going to encourage you as well. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast. I know that there are so many options for you to listen to podcasts. And the reason I know that is because I listen to so many phenomenal podcasts every single week. And so it is a complete joy and honor to be in your ears today. I would love it if you have never subscribed to the show. If you would go do that, whether you listen on Spotify, Spotify or Overcast or Apple Podcast, Audible, Stitcher, Google Podcast, wherever you listen, uh, would you subscribe so that you make sure that every single week when we release two podcasts a week that you get the show as soon as it comes out. You don't have to go looking for it. Guys, we're grateful that you're here. I hope you love the story. Here's my conversation with Kelly Masters. Kelly, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's exciting to have you in the studio in Austin, Texas. Yes. And you told me that Austin is special. It is special. I love Austin, first of all, which is Who funny. Who doesn't? Because, because it's like the best. It's the best. Um, it's funny, though. I was sort of indoctrinated growing up because I was an Oklahoma Sooners fan. Oh. And so we were taught to hate the University of Texas and burnt orange and all of that. And then I came to Austin and I was like, this is amazing. I love it here. And so many of my friends have either live here or we have relocated to Austin and it's beautiful. It's fun. It's eclectic. It's yeah, it's just got such a wonderful, wonderful vibe. And, and some of my most important memories started here years ago. I was between my first and second year of law school. I did an internship with a law firm here in Austin. And it was my first time really out of Oklahoma. I'd lived in Oklahoma my entire life. 
and well, except for a summer in Europe. So coming to Austin was basically like a trip out of the country. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Another one. And but it was the summer that God really started getting a hold of really getting my attention. I He'd love been that. chasing me my entire life. And he finally started grabbing my attention. And we can probably get into it later. But there was a I don't even know if it still exists. There was a Christian music station here. And I think it was called KNLE. I don't know. The, I don't recognize the it. The Light of the Hill Country. I remember that was their oh. little tagline. And I had never listened to Christian music before. And I just found it sort of accidentally on my way home from a night on 6th Street yeah. <laughs> with, with my fellow you know, law clerks and couldn't stop crying. I was so touched. And I started looking up, where can I go to church? How can I plug in? And we can talk a little bit more about my story. But that was when I really, God was starting to really get my attention and become real to me. My whole life I'd been saying, is there more? I'd gone to church, mm-hmm. but my heart had always been crying. Is there more? Is there more? And God was saying, I'm right here. I have more for you. I have more. It's like the cry of all of our hearts. There has to be it more is. to this. There has to be more to this. It is. Well, I'm happy that Austin has played a role yes. in your life. And you don't think all of us Texas fans are bad people anymore? No, not at all. <laughs> I've represented Texas players and Oklahoma State players. And so my Sooner friends think that, you know, what has happened to Kelly? But Who do the Sooners oh, hate more, the Longhorns or the Cowboys? Probably the Longhorns. Okay. Yeah. There's that in-state sort of brotherly rivalry Mm -hmm. with Oklahoma State. And I have to give major props. I love going to OSU games now. I've represented some of my greatest players that I currently represent are from Oklahoma State. And so I can do the waving weed and the go pokes (laughs) symbols now with, you know, I still can't really do the the (laughs) It's hard for you to make your hands up. (laughs) But no, no hatred for the Longhorns anymore. Such a fun, such a great program, great history. Mac Brown has become a great friend of mine, even though he's now at North Carolina. But my goodness, you know, all the years here. So I love Matt Brown. We just had earlier in the summer, a former Longhorn was on the show and he played under Coach Brown. And I was like, I love Coach Brown so much. If he walked in here, I would just want to kiss him on the cheek and ask him to start dancing. (laughs) (laughs) He's that kind of guy. And I feel like even though he's gone, I still feel like he's loved and embraced. I know. He totally is. Well, we just jumped into your story, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to our (laughs) listeners. Where you live and what you do, and tell us about your family. I I live in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma. I was born and raised there. In Oklahoma City? Yes, in Oklahoma City. I've traveled extensively, but Oklahoma has always been home for me, and so I I graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I was the baton twirler for the University of Oklahoma. That was my life from the time I was five years old Wow! until I graduated from college. Went to law school initially at OCU, Oklahoma City University, and my dad had gone there to law school, so I followed in his footsteps. And then during law school, won the Miss Oklahoma pageant. Look at you! <laughs> I love knowing so these things. So all these crazy twists and turns. So I took a year off to be Miss Oklahoma and compete at <laughs> Miss America and all of that and use the scholarship money to pay off all of my Good school you, loans yeah. and pay for law school. So it paid, for, if anyone gives me grief about <laughs> doing a pageant, it paid for my law school. I like that. And so I finished law school at OU, started my law practice with a large firm in Oklahoma and have now become, well, five years into my law practice, we can get into the story of how it happened because everyone wants to know how I became a sports agent, became a sports agent, started my own company. And here I am 16 years later. 16 and years with your own 
own company? With my own company. Wow. Yes. And so now I have my own sports agency. I've, I've represented NFL players in every draft since 2006 and started my own law firm this year. I stayed with the same firm for 20 years, which no one does, Yeah. but started my own law firm this year. I'm launching a co-working space. So lots going on in Oklahoma City, but my primary focus is representing athletes. I love it. So that's it. my ministry. That's my mission field. That's what I love and is my passion. So... Kelly, I have so many questions, (laughs) but I'm going to start with some of the obvious ones. Let's talk about being a sports agent and uh, what I would assume only from looking at a very male dominated. Yes. Am I right about that? (laughs) Just slightly male dominated. Yes. And it's funny, I've, I've tried to change the way I say that because I talk about there are more men historically and even currently more men that represent NFL players, but women can be pretty dominant too. So I don't want to say male dominated. There's just a lot more men. I like that. That are agents. I became an agent. Really, it was not, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be Jerry Maguire. Yeah. I grew up loving football. That's in Oklahoma. That's what we do. We plan our schedules around football schedules. And so I grew up loving sports. I was a competitive baton twirler. And so I loved athletics. Didn't realize that it could be a career path. Didn't even imagine that. And even seeing sports agents in movies or TV shows, I never really connected with, oh, that's what I want to do. But I found myself in the middle of law school when I became a believer and started really pursuing what does God want me to do with my life. Initially, I thought it was going to be mission work. So I started learning all about nonprofits. And as a lawyer, how do I set up a 501c3? How do I help ministries? And so instead of becoming a missionary, I initially started as a lawyer litigator, but also a lawyer that helped missionaries and ministries and charities. Yeah. And God has such a sense of humor. He used that to lead me to where I was really, really supposed to be when I got a phone call from an NFL player and his family that set up a foundation but needed help with it. So I represented the player and his family and helping them clean up the messes and accomplish what they wanted to do with their nonprofit. But in that process, started discovering, you know, oh my gosh, this is my world. This is what I want. This is really what God has called me to do is work with people that are in this position with resources and income, who need guidance, who want to leave a legacy and make an impact and make a difference. And it was just everything aligned. And so I made that discovery when I was about 32 years old. So, you know, I hear from young people, they're like, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm like, well, I didn't have a clue until I just kept like pressing in and saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? And finally at 32, I figured it out. It so, is such, yeah. I mean, I say, I didn't start this podcast until I was 36 years old. Oh, I love that. And now it's my main job. I mean, you know what right, I'm saying? And so right. like, oh, I have a son going to college next year. <laughs> oh my goodness. And there's a lot of pressure so of like, what are you going to do with your life? What do you want right. to do? And there is a little bit to like, hey, stay focused and take your classes exactly. <laughs> and do the things. Yes. But also there's this idea of like, you can chill out a little bit. Like yeah. you never know the turns that God's going to take you on to where you are. And like, that's what Seriously. you're saying your life is as well as the all is. lawyering. Is that a word? Lawyering? Lawyering. Yeah. Lawyering was always this base, but God's taking you. Okay. So you have this encounter with this NFL player and you yep. help them with their mission field. What then led you to begin to represent players? And again, I right. need you to correct some of my lack of knowledge here. <laughs> because okay. what I'm imagining, since uh-huh. you said it, is Jerry Maguire. 
Yes, which is actually not far off. Okay. <laughs> it's a pretty close compare. I have a really hard time watching the movie. I bet. Because every time, like, Bob Sugar comes in and steals his client, I go, oh, <laughs> I have been there. This oh, is horrible. Oh. So, yeah, it really, the movie is sensational, but it really captures a lot of the, the roller coaster, yeah. especially of being like I am. I am on my own. I didn't start with a big company. When I first started really digging in to what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. And it actually started with the player mom that I was doing the legal work for. She just said, where were you uh, in the beginning? We would have loved to have had someone like you in our corner. And it's funny because I didn't think I'm a woman. Women don't do that, which is the question I continue mm-hmm. to get to this day is, do women do that? Right. Which we can talk about. <laughs> but I didn't, I, that never really came to mind. It was more, well, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And what do agents do? How does one become an agent? Since I'm a lawyer, can I just say, okay, now I'm an agent. And it wasn't that easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I spent about a year researching it and honestly praying and making yeah. sure, you know, God, is this really, really what you want me to do with my life? I don't want to do this out of some sort of selfish, right. you know, this looks fun or yeah. any sort of glory for me. I'm like, is this what you've called me to do? And spent about a year and I dug into it and I realized it's a, first of all, it's a very corrupt industry. It's like politics or like actually wow. a lot of other businesses. There's a lot of like just dirtiness mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And I initially was like, oh, no, God wouldn't want me to be part of this. <laughs> and the more I pressed in and the more I discovered of just how much needed to change and how much things needed to be fixed yeah. in the industry, I also felt a calling to be part of that, be wow. part of bringing some truth and some integrity and excellence. And a lot of times I would flash back to those initial meetings with that first player that I met and his mom and everything that they had gone through. And I would think about what if it was my kiddo? Yeah. What if it was my son or my brother? And who would we trust? Mm. And how could we really know that we could trust them? And what if they were doing things behind the scenes that we didn't know about? And what is their really, you know, do they have his best interest at heart? And so that's what drove me. Mm. And so for two reasons, I started my own company, which was kind of ludicrous, honestly, because I had, I'd never worked for an agent. I still joke that I don't know if I'm doing it right, because because you're doing it your way. (laughs) way. I never actually worked for somebody. Uh And so I think I figured it out. (laughs) So first of all, companies, I didn't find any company that really stood for the things that I wanted to stand for. Like moral things and faith things or just... Faith, but not... I mean, when I went to work for my law firm, it wasn't a Christian law firm. You know, I have no problem being salt and light. But character issues. Character issues. Character, the way business is done. You know, things like... Just simple things like paying off players illegally, but Mm. couching it in certain terms so they can bend the rules. And I just didn't see anyone doing it in a way that I would feel like I could put my head on the pillow Mm -hmm. at night and feel good about it. So I wanted to do it not just my way, but God's way. That was one thing. And then the other thing was, honestly, agencies weren't hiring women to be contract advisors. They were hiring women as receptionists or client services directors and marketing reps and nothing against those roles. Hospitality services. Yes. And nothing against those roles because they're valuable, but it's not my training and my calling and my desire. All of that was to be an agent. Right. And so I thought, well, I'm going to have to, you know, put together everything I have. I pulled everything I had out of savings. I basically lived like a poor college student, even though I was, you know, 
a yeah. partner in a law uh-huh. firm <laughs> and poured everything into building my own company. And it was really expensive. I went through a whole certification process, which if you're going to be an agent for any particular sport, you have to get certified. Got it. Which is Didn't you, know you that. Take, yes. I thought you could just sign up. You can't just sign up. <laughs> it's, I think, $2,500 just to sign up to take the test. Yeah. And then you go through the whole process of the vetting process mm-hmm. and background checks. And then you take the test. And if you pass the test, which is really hard to pass, by the way, I actually help write it now. Wow. And it's really, I think the passage rate's less than 40%. And you only get two times to try and take it. And then passed the test and then went through all of the, jumped through all the hoops to set up my own company to get you know, all the, there's actually agent insurance that you're required to have in case you mess something up. There are state license processes, which are now kind of coming to the forefront with all the new name, image, and likeness litigation that everyone's talking about. All of that kind of happens under the same regulations that I'm under as an agent. So there's state law, there's federal law, there are, every school has their own regulations. Every governing body has their own regulations. It's so much. It's so much. I'm like, okay, this is a little more, you know, administrative headache than I thought it was going to be. But definitely, Definitely worth it. When you have a goal, it's like, okay, what else do I need yeah, to do? Yeah. Got it all done. Now I'm ready to go. And so I went through all of that. And then it's like, congratulations, you're a certified NFL agent. Go. <laughs> yeah. Like just go, go do. I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no one was there to teach me how to recruit, like how to sign clients, how to find clients. Mm. The only thing I knew, I knew the nuts and bolts of the legal side of it and the business side of it. I had no idea initially how recruiting worked, how scouting worked, how the draft worked. Mm. I just had a real layman's view of the sports world. And I really had to dig in and teach myself everything. Everything. And I did that through, I'm a reader anyway and a researcher, but it was, for me, it was relationships. It was reaching out, cold calling all 32 NFL teams and begging to get in the door to sit down and pick their brains wow. and develop relationships. And it, it was worth it. It took a long time, but it and was how, very time That was 16 years ago. Yes. Okay. So, so many questions with this. And number one would be, I see that this drive that you have is just <laughs> amazing for being <laughs> able to you. do this. But when you are, you know, even with what God has shown you and the character that you have and your faith that you have. How does that go into your job? Because I think that's a lot of people listening. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't have many sports agents that are listening (laughs) to the show. There aren't that many of us. (laughs) Although what a great career. I told one of my sons the other day that'd be a great job to have. But what a great career as well because of the relationships and all that. But how do you take your faith and put it into your career, which is not faith based at all? Not at all. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? For me personally, I led with my faith. Like it's, I would not be a sports agent if I didn't, if God had not dealt with me to, to go that direction. Yeah. It 100% started with his voice and with digging in and going, okay, you know, someone planted a seed. This mom looked at me mm-hmm. and said, where were you? And I'm thinking, oh gosh, like maybe this, you know, yeah. I wish I had been there yeah. for her. And it was, it really sparked something inside of me that just, even in my prayer time, like later that night and the next morning and the next morning just kept coming up. Like, where were you? Why weren't you ready to, to do this? And, um, so it really started with, with pressing into prayer and saying, God, give me wisdom. I don't, I, you know, I, I already have, I'm already set in my ways right now. I have, you know, my established career as a lawyer, but like we were talking about earlier, everyone always has this sense of I'm, I'm called to do something bigger. Mm. I want to be part of something really special. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. We're all born with that. Yeah. So I pressed into that 
kind of that spark that I felt that is this something that I need to, I want to know more about this. And I want to know also, is it what God has for me? Mm. And I took my time with that. And from day one, I wrote down a whole set of, of sort of founding principles or guiding principles that I wanted every step that I took from then on as I became an agent, as I built my company, as I built relationships, I wanted those principles to guide me in everything that I did. And so, yeah, I don't do a single thing. I don't, you know, people look at my Instagram or you know, talk to me on the phone and, you know, Kelly, where are you? Oh, I'm at the Super Bowl. They just think that all these things just sort of happen. <laughs> right. Then I suddenly end up on the sideline at NFL games uh-huh. and at Monday Night Football right. and the draft. And everything that I've done has been with just with the intent of, mm. God, am I right where you need me to be right now? Yeah. Am I doing the things? Not that I'm, I'm definitely not perfect and I definitely right. miss it because I'm human right. and we don't get it 100% yeah. of the time, but I'm trying. I'm getting up in the morning and I'm praying going, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. What, who should I talk to today? Yeah. Where am I supposed to be? And so because of that, um, I, I'll say it's it's been the most challenging career I could have picked, mm. even for my personality, because I'm a natural introvert, <laughs> which no one believes because you're like, Kelly, you're a trial like, lawyer. Actually, a that's what agent. I want. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> like sitting at home reading a book. Um, but I, I had to step out. Everything that I've done has been a, a step of faith. I didn't have the money to start an agency. Yeah. I didn't have connections to start an agency. Uh, I had no idea where to start. Yeah. So I just really literally stepped out in faith. And mm-hmm. every day it's, you know, in sort of a, a practical way. I, you know, when I get up and I get ready for my day, I'm praying kind of like a mom prays over her children. I pray over each one of my players. I pray over the the players and families that I'm recruiting and talking wow. to. I just don't want to miss anything. Yeah. And I want to pray for protection for them and guidance for them because I can't be with all of them 24 mm-hmm. seven, even yeah. though I want to. Yeah. And I just, I pray for God, what doors do you want me to walk through? What doors need to be shut? And so, yeah, it's faith is very much at the core of who I am. And therefore, it's at the core of my business, which translates to all of us, no matter what we're doing, Absolutely, whatever our morning prayer looks like, whatever walking through the doors, whatever the faith for God to guide us, that is the life of a believer, you know, and you're translating that into your work as well as how all of us should be as well. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get 
stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Okay, well, I want to ask you a little random question. How did you recruit your first player? You've never done this before. No <laughs> yep. one knows who you are. You're a newbie. You created your own agency. You've never worked in an agency. Like, mm -hmm. how did you recruit your first player? <laughs> Very clumsily. Okay. Is that a word? Yes, we'll take it. I was it. really clumsy. <laughs> so I had no idea. I started initially by developing relationships with scouts and in my mind, like NFL scouts. Yep. And that literally came from cold calling and then showing up at places where I knew scouts were going to be, at the combine, at pro days, whatever, and getting to know them and then picking their brains and saying, well, you know, keep your eyes open. If you see a player I need to know about, let yeah. me know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to scout players. I didn't have relationships. And so I would basically cold call parents and players and had no idea what to say yeah. even. I remember going to a few OU games because I grew up going to OU, Oklahoma games, and standing outside like the locker room going, what do I even say? Why am I here? What, Kelly, this is so stressful to? for me. Like, honestly, I'm like, it was this awful. is my worst nightmare. <laughs> I'll tell you something even worse. So we'll get to my first combine, which was so eventful. And the combine for listeners who are not football people, and I thought I was a football person until I became an agent and I realized how much I didn't know. Right. So the combine is where all the potential draft picks get invited to come work out in front of teams and go through interviews and medical evaluations and all the stuff that teams need for the draft. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But my first player, yeah, I tried everything. I would walk up just to a family and a player after a game and introduce myself and hand them a card. And I'm like, 
I would walk away going, Kelly, you're an idiot. Like, why well, would my anyone question listen is, to you? Did they get seven of those cards that day? I mean, were you not the only one Seriously. doing this? I saw a couple of other agents okay, yeah. around, but uh-huh. they seemed to know people. I didn't know anyone. And everyone, like, as if I don't already stand out as super awkward because I'm the only woman yeah. over there doing this. But I'm just thinking there's got to be a better way. Yeah. There's, there has to be something more efficient than, than standing around. I actually remember going, driving to an Arkansas game to recruit this player that a scout had told me about. And I realized when I got there that I would know the player on the field with his name on the back of his jersey. But if I saw him walk out in street clothes, I would have no idea. That is so funny. And I'm standing outside the locker room going, what am I going to do? And so I saw all these little kids running around with footballs that they were getting autographs. So they Uh had their Sharpie and their football. And I just stopped, like grabbed one of them. And I was like, can you tell me when this player walks out of the locker room? That is so funny. And he's like, well, ma'am, he's right over there. And I was like, oh, thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's how bad I was when I started this. So, yeah, if anyone has self-doubt about getting into an industry, I was the worst. It's hard because we went to the UT Spring game, and we were Uh back there, and there were some former players walking by. And we love Colin Johnson when he played at at Uh UT. And we heard someone say Colin, (laughs) and then we saw this guy. I've never seen Colin Johnson a day in my life except on a football field field. with a helmet. And from row 25 in Section 18. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I don't know what Colin Johnson looks like. Yeah. And so we're like okay Colin and so we got a picture with him my two boys yeah. and two of their friends <laughs> and we got home and I was sitting there and I was thinking I was like my son's name is Deacon and I was like Deacon I thought Colin was taller I mean I just thought he was oh, taller no. was it not him it was not him oh no it was another player I That's think his name was Jordan and That's I figured so it funny. all out and I tagged them on Instagram and apologized <laughs> and they were both so kind to me but I know what you're saying. You see them on the field. I don't know what they look like. Right. So that was me in the beginning. So my first client, I had basically struck out every different way that I'd tried to recruit. And I had one client that was kind of my one of my first athletes that I worked with before I was working in the NFL. Like that year before, I had just an opportunity to work with a couple of Olympic athletes who were local guys that just needed an attorney to Uh review contracts and help them with appearances. And so one of those, he was a weightlifter. I was at an appearance with him. He actually was on the David Letterman show. That's how long ago that was. So we're in New York and we're at the David Letterman show. And he's like, so how's the football thing going? I was like, it's terrible. I don't know (laughs) what I'm doing. And he said, well, I know who needs to be your first client. And so that day he put me on the phone with the quarterback at Texas Tech at the time. And they had a mutual friend, a youth pastor that had been a mentor to both of them. And so that little random connection, I'm sitting in a Starbucks in New York City talking to my first client, first person who would become my client. Mm-hmm. And then I flew to his game the very next weekend. And I remember sitting across the table from him and his family, terrified. I was terrified. They were like, I was, they were going to ask me all these questions. And I had no experience. I could tell them everything about the collective bargaining agreement and the salary cap, <laughs> yeah. but they didn't care about that. They're like, are you going to take care of our yeah. son? And so I just, I tried to answer all their questions. And at one point I just looked at him and I said, look, I, I've been practicing law for a long time, but I have never done this. I've did they never know had that previous to you they saying? Did. Okay, okay. They did, okay. but they had, you know, I was recommended yeah. highly by a mutual friends. Uh-huh. So they at least gave me the, the time of day the to time. have a conversation. Yes. Yeah. And so I was grateful. That was my first sit down yeah. interview with a player. And I just said, I've just, I've never represented a player in the draft. And he just kind of shrugged and said, well, I've never had an agent. So <laughs> if you screw up, I won't know. How kind. <laughs> it was, I was like, thank you. <laughs> so true. So 
but we, we immediately, like in that moment, we sort of had this bond of let's do this together. Yeah. Let's tackle this together. And it was such an amazing experience. His career was very short lived in the NFL, but he had a career in the NFL. Yeah. And I got my feet wet and learned what it was like to battle for someone mm. in that environment. I will forever, his name was Cody Hodges. I will forever credit Cody for believing in me when he probably shouldn't have yeah. and having faith in me because he saw my faith. He yeah. saw that I'm willing willing to, you know, just get punched through the wall and mm-hmm. get bloody, like just yeah. to make sure that you have a chance to fulfill your dream. And we punched through that wall together. And I'll never forget it. I'll never get over the fact that someone believed in me wow. enough to give me that chance. Okay, so. tell me the story from your first combine. Okay, there were a couple. So first, talking about like meeting people. Mm-hmm. When I first reached out to every NFL team, I landed very few. I think very few is actually generous. One, <laughs> maybe one meeting out of that initial round of uh-huh. cold calls. And this was pre-social media. It wasn't like you could just connect right. with someone easily. So I had met one scout. And he was probably the oldest scout in the business. He has since passed away, but he was with the Tennessee Titans. He'd been with the Oilers before they were the Titans. Go Blue. Is that what they said? I think so. I grew up in Houston. (laughs) I went to one Oilers game when Uh, Warren Moon was the quarterback. Oh, my word. Yeah, that was (laughs) a few years ago. That was a few years ago. So met him and basically attached myself at the hip to him to learn the business. He taught me so, so much that I desperately needed to know and always be grateful for that that sort of connection that I made happen just by being persistent. And so I ran into him at the combine which, you know, when I walk in, it's the combine is every year it's held in Indianapolis. It's downtown. It's like all of the testosterone in the world <laughs> crammed into downtown Indianapolis. All the players, coaches, owners, general managers, scouts, everybody's there milling around. And so it was just, you know, all the men and me. I mean, literally, you're the only woman. Yes. Okay. Well, there were a couple of other women who had worked for agents okay. at the time and had negotiated contracts, but no one who had like launched out. With, yes. You know, like Jerry Maguire. Yeah. I've got my fish <laughs> and I've got my one client. So I had my one client and walked in and, of course, totally overwhelmed and intimidated. Didn't see any other women. Not that it mattered, yeah. but I just felt really, really out of place yeah. and suddenly terrified that I, you know, what am I doing? I don't know enough. I don't know anybody. So I saw it the scout, the CO, and I just said, you're going to, I'm going to stand by you as long as I can. And you're going to introduce me to everyone that walks by because I noticed everyone knew him. Uh So he started introducing me to a few people and that went pretty well, but then he had to go do what he was there to do, evaluate players. So I wandered around for a little while and I noticed that there was this one hallway with an escalator and it was the hallway between where all the players were working out and the hotel where everybody was staying. Mm And so I thought, okay, everyone has to walk through this hallway. If I just stand right here by this escalator, I'm going to meet everybody. So I spent like eight hours standing next to an escalator. (laughs) Again, introverted, you know, terrified to jump in and start a conversation. Uh And there I am with my little stack of business cards. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kelly Masters. Uh I would look at their 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 cap Mm -hmm. or on their shirt. I would see the little, you know, Rams logo or Giants logo. Oh, you're with the Giants. I'm Kelly Masters. (laughs) You're going to want to look at my player. And probably such an idiot. But honestly, so many relationships were born by that escalator. And then, of course, I'm a relationship person. So I continued to follow up and build relationships over time. 
And it's funny, I kind of got made fun of for spending so much time getting to know scouts. And my thought was, well, first of all, the scouts are the ones that see these players initially. They're Mm -hmm. going out to the schools and watching them and gathering the information. So they're going to have a ton of information and perspective. And then the good ones are going to go on to become leaders. They're going to become the general managers and the decision makers. And it worked because 16 years later, I think 23 or 24 of the general managers are all guys that I knew when they were scouts. Look at you. When we all started as babies. (laughs) Remaking the business over here. And so, yeah, that was my thing. And then the other big happening at the Combine. So one of the days at the Combine is all the agents are brought in together for a seminar. And it's kind of the state of the union. You know, here's what's going on with the players union and Mm -hmm. with the league. And again, I'm sitting in the back of a room of 900 men. And at one point I walk out just to get some air. And one of the top agents who I had kind of admired from a distance was standing there. He was talking to a bunch of reporters and he saw me kind of out of the corner of his eye and he walks over, leaves the reporters and takes a few steps over and basically puts his finger in my face and says, what are you doing here? And I look around like, what? Like, (laughs) I'm already feeling super awkward. And now I'm being called out. And he said, how many players do you have? And I said, I have one player. And he said, well, let me tell you why you don't belong here. And proceeded to start giving me this lecture about everyone thinks you're a joke, and you're not going to last and you need to find something better to do with your life. And none of the players are going to respect you. And no one's going to listen to you and on and on and on. And my heart was just pounding and I could just feel my face getting red yes and I thought either I can just like run (laughs) and cry or I can buckle down and tell him off and so much to my surprise I was able to find the courage to tell him off and I just stopped him mid-lecture and said are you done because you don't know me you don't know why I'm here you know, you don't know what I stand for. And you're gonna have to deal with me someday. <laughs> and I walked off going, what did I say? What do you think he bought? It? Do you think I looked confident? But I was so I just never been confronted with yeah. in your face, you don't belong here. It's wow. like the enemy just going and knew all of my triggers yeah. and said, basically, you're worthless, you're a joke. You know, you're an idiot for being here. You're going to fail. All the words that I had fought right. already. That were your own feelings. My own feelings. Pot- yeah. yeah. And like as if I didn't already feel inadequate, I was just told by one of the most yeah. successful people in the business yeah. that I didn't belong here. So I walked away knowing that I had a big job ahead of me because God put me there. And it was the funny thing was it was kind of a David and Goliath moment. But the great part of that is David wins and the giant Every time. Gets his head cut off. <laughs> and so I knew I would be victorious. And it wasn't because I was so great. It yeah. was because I was right where God said to be. Yeah. Do you still know this guy? Oh, I do. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has had to eat his words. Oh, good. I was hoping Numerous that you times. would say that at the yes. end of this story. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that you've talked about, because, you know, you have a book that just came out. Congratulations, yeah, by the way, you. called High Impact Life. Yes. And you say in this book and you talk about uh, finding your and fulfilling your purpose and that yes. you've had to do that. We've talked a lot about that already this today. Yes. But I think that you also talk to your clients about that, your players about that. Yes. I mean, on one hand, you're usually, I don't want to assume here, dealing with some young men. Oh, they're kids. They're babies. Yeah. You're representing young men uh-huh. 
or you and I could be their mothers. Yes, yes. <laughs> and how do you have these conversations with them? And how do they take that coming from, not even because you're a woman, but just right. coming from someone who you are going to represent them, you mm-hmm. know? And for the most part, I mean, I thought about that. We just had the draft. When we we're recording this, we just went through the draft a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah. and I look at these young babies and I think yeah. someone just handed you a whole lot of money. A lot of money. A lot yeah. of money. A lot of responsibility, a lot of now everyone's watching, a lot of everything. I mean, I just, you know, yeah, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence, for example, I look at him and his sweet little cute wife and just go, and I know they do because I have friends that know them. I'm like, yes, I just think you've got to have good guidance. Do you see that as part of your role, not only just to represent them and deal with their stuff, but I want to be a sounding board. How do you do that with these young baby boys? Oh my gosh, 100%. And that is what drove me to become an agent in the first place. It wasn't about show me the money. It wasn't the kill. It wasn't even the big draft moment. That is so special. And getting a a life-changing contract done and being able to to make that phone call is so, so special. But I also really, when I started recruiting, and realizing what my responsibilities and my role would be as an agent, I saw a lot of myself in them. And Mm -hmm. that was what we all struggle with is we put our self-worth and our value and our identity so much in what we accomplish and what we do. Mm -hmm. And for them, that is exponential. It's everything becomes for them around about their ability. Are you the best? Mm -hmm. Where are you? Like, how do you rank against everybody else out there? And there is immense focus, even at the at the combine, when players are interviewed, teams drill questions, like drill them with questions about do you love football? How much do you Mm. love football? Are you football? And their entire lives up to that point have been consumed by what they do. Yeah. And their value and their purpose in life has been all about how good are they at their sport. And then, which is part of the deal when you're going to be the 1% of the 1% and play at that high level, you have, that has to be who you are. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I know, we all know that that can lead to a very unfulfilling place if they get hurt, if they get told they're being cut and replaced by someone and suddenly it's over That's devastating. If that's what your whole world is built on. Yeah. And not just financially, it's Mm -hmm. devastating to them personally. And that's why I think we see so many athletes. I think the statistic is over 80% of players end up bankrupt, you know, on drugs, alcoholic, you know, broken marriages, Mm -hmm. broken lives, because that's the environment that they're put into and they're pushed into because that's their dream. And so chasing their dream becomes this thing where they're consumed by football being their life and purpose. And so honestly, and this is maybe why I'm not a fit for every player, but I do sign exactly the players God wants me to have, is that from day one, I look at them and say, you are more than what you do. Mm. You are more than, to me, you're more than just the top five wide receiver in college. You are more than what your medical records say or your stats say or your awards say. You are so much more. To me, you are an amazing human being that God created with a huge purpose that nobody else on the planet can fulfill. Mm. And let's press into that. And let's get you drafted. Let's get you the best contract. All those same things that you'll get with anyone guiding you. But I want more for you. I love that. So let's talk about who you are as 
a person. Yeah. You know, what is it that makes you, that gets you out mm-hmm. of bed in the morning? What are you excited about? What else do you love? Yeah. You know, what do you want to accomplish in life beyond football? Because football will not last forever. We say that, and then they all think that they're going to be playing for 20 years, like Peyton Which Manning statistically, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> and so most of them will be retired well before they're my age, mm-hmm. certainly. And we'll have and this And a lot whole, of them, even before they're like 30. Before they're 30, yeah. they're going to be retired, and they're going to be former players a lot longer than they're going to be yeah. active players. So not that I want to prepare them for failure. I just say, look, it's football is not... Yeah a career Mm -hmm. and it's not what you should build your whole identity around. It is an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing window Mm -hmm. of time and let's make the most of this, but let's prepare you for who you ultimately are going to become in life. And so they know that from the start, from the moment that they sign. And it's, I was just meeting with a player that I hope to sign for the draft next year. Uh, We met last week and you know, 10% 10% of the time we talked about football, 90% of the time we talked about life. We yeah. talked about what's going on in the world and the difference that he wants to make mm. and the things that, you know, God is teaching him. Yeah. And I love that. And so that's what I love is we channel that into the book, High Impact Life, where I share that process that I take my babies, yeah. <laughs> my football babies through. I share that with my readers because oh, we I all need that. that. Yeah. We all, I need to be reminded for sure. of that. I'm not just what I do. Exactly. And I think even for the clients that you're working with in your job, I would guess, and again, I'm not live this world, but I would guess there aren't many people in their world that actually truly believe what you're telling them. No, it's true. You know, and so maybe their mom and their dad, you know, and you and the grandma and maybe Aunt Peggy, (laughs) but I don't know much more. But the people they're working for, you know, and playing in the NFL is a job and the people they're working for more often than not, you know, you don't work anymore. You don't live here anymore. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that is so hard. I try to explain. I do. I explain some of it in my book when a player gets cut for the first time. And the crazy thing is most players, even Pro Bowl players, you know, top of their game at some point will not have a job anymore. And it's hard to hear that and not think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm I'm worthless. And that's why it's, gosh, it's so important for my players and for everybody to realize their worth Mm. outside of accomplishment or performance. Not to say those things aren't great, and we all want to be excellent at what we do, but that's not where our value as human beings really is. So in your book, High Impact Life, do you talk a lot about, and because I haven't seen a copy of it yet, so I apologize for that. I can't wait. I know, I can't wait either. (laughs) But is it for like the person who's listening that's like, I don't know anything about football, Kelly, what is this book for me? (laughs) In fact, when I first wrote the book, it was a really different book. I'll maybe write a football book later. But when we first wrote the book and I started taking a step back, I'm like, not everybody loves, there are people who watch football like I did, but I want this book to be for anyone who maybe doesn't even care about football or doesn't know anything about the game or could care less about sports, that they can pick this up and still go, oh my gosh, I identify with this human being. Like I need to hear this too. Mm. And so, yeah, it's not a football book. As much as all my football friends are saying, (laughs) oh, I can't wait to read your book. If you're looking for help with your fantasy football team, this is (laughs) not not it. it. (laughs) But it's a life book. It's a faith book. And it's, it really is meant to, um, 
you know, encourage and inspire all of us. There's a lot of, I included a ton of my own failures and missteps in it because I, you know, people look at me now and they read my bio or whatever. And they're like, oh, you've done yeah. so much. And I'm like, yeah, those are the little highlights right. in the middle of tons of failure and tons of screw ups and missteps and, you know, looking like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the things that we all fear, that's been the bulk of my life. And yeah. so there's a ton of, of that in the book. And there are some stories too that I think will make people think, you know, yeah. where everyone imagines when you see someone on TV or you see someone on social media that seems to have this amazing life and that everything is, you know, they've got all yep. the money and yep. all the fame and all of that. And yet you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You don't know what, what they went through to get there. And you also don't know mm. that maybe behind the scenes things are falling apart so or true. what things might look like after the fact. And so I think it's, it really pulls the curtain back and hopefully reading a about those things. I know it always gives me hope when someone that I look up to yeah. says, let me tell you about the time I just like, right. fell flat on my face and made the worst decision. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> You're human too. We're yeah. both human. Okay, we can do human. this. Yes. Yes. So it's hopefully that's what people take away. It is definitely, I picture a lot of the people that will read this book will be young women Yeah, that are really, really, I mean, being a young woman I'm not young anymore. Being We're a young, young woman, Kelly. Give it to are, us. <laughs> we are, relatively speaking, we are very young, but... I can't imagine being a teenager yeah. now. Oh my gosh. It was hard enough when we were yeah. teenagers, yeah. but now with all the pressures and social media and YouTube yeah. and everyone has, you know, walks around thinking, looking at the filtered exactly. lives of other people yeah. and comparing it to their own unfiltered life. And it's just so, so tough. It's and so, so that's difficult. my hope is that this book is for, you know, young women, yeah. young men, really anyone. Yeah. We all go through these same struggles. We totally do. And I love the fact when you ask your players, when you're up front with them, like, you know, the legacy you want to leave. And I yeah. think that is something that all of us, no matter what our career is, yeah. no matter where we are in life, no matter what yep. stage, we have to be able to look at what we're doing and know that there's yeah. more to our life than just what we do. And that's what you talk about Absolutely. for sure. One more just random question I'm sitting here thinking yeah. of. How many clients do you represent at one time? So each year for the draft, obviously careers are not that long. So I've had a lot. I've represented dozens and dozens of athletes over the of 16 years. So once they're done in the NFL, they don't need you anymore? Well, no, that's definitely not okay, true. Yeah. <laughs> I have, it's like the kids that come home to live with their parents after they're 35. Yeah, I don't actually move in <laughs> with my husband and I. That would be a little interesting, uh -huh. but I do continue to take Got care it. of things for them. So I, you know, negotiate their, if they're starting a business, I'll help them with starting their, getting, you know, setting up their LLC and getting their policies in place and, you know, helping them get into coaching. A lot of them want to go into coaching or scouting or yeah. uh, work in media. And so, yeah, I'm still very involved do in their lives. Do you do like... Like partnership, like sponsorship of, I don't know the word. Endorsements. Endor and, like, yep. like if I'm a Gatorade person, do uh -huh. you do the, okay. I yeah, do. Got so it. yeah, we do it all. We do so it how all. many at a moment, how many clients might you have? So I typically recruit 30 or so a year, but I only end up signing out of that after the whole vetting process. Yeah. We sign between two and four typically okay. each year. Currently, I think I have 15 in the NFL, okay. which is the most I've ever had. It's kind of exciting. I remember the days of having one or two <laughs> yeah. and just being ecstatic yeah. that I had one or two yeah. because it's so 
hard to even sign one client. Yeah. And then I have, we have a baseball division now. I have an LPGA golfer. I have an MMA fighter who lives here in Austin. I have, oh my goodness. Yeah. A variety. And uh, how many people athletes. are on your team at your agency? Oh gosh, there are seven of us now. Awesome. So yeah, but many, many, many years it was just me. I bet. You've been listening for a while. You know, I love football. So this is exciting and fun to talk about. Okay. I want to ask you another question. You are married. Yes. Yes. Congratulations for how long? Thank you. Three years. Three years. Well, 41 months today. Are you really (laughs) counting the months? Look at you. I love it. We're kind of newlyweds still. I love it. Okay. So, but I I found an interesting fact. You told me a little interesting tidbit Uh about you. Okay. And so married for 41 months. Yes. And when you got married, you inherited 11 children. Yes. And nine grandchildren. Grandchildren. Yes, I am grandma. <laughs> I need to hear all about this. And did you have any children before? No, never okay. married, no kids. Okay, so 11 kids. That's yeah. a big transition. And yes. then you're going to tell me nine grandchildren. Kelly, give me all the details. Well, Christmas is really different than it used to be. <laughs> lots of gifts to buy. Lots of little ones running around. And most of the kids, most of my stepchildren are grown. Yeah two still left at home. But yeah, it was, I love it. It was such an adjustment. It's funny. It's a whole long story. I've known the family and the kids for a long time. And their dad, when their dad first asked me, he'd been divorced for quite some time, single dad. And when he asked me if I would ever consider going out with him, I mean, I just said, no, not really. (laughs) Like nothing against, you know, I just have never, I I had looked up to him and known him for a long time, but sort of as this, you know, father of everybody, Uh he was everyone's dad and strong, strong, just rock of a human being, great godly man. And in fact, his son works for me. One of his sons works for me. And I would say like, we need to find your dad a really good woman. He's just the nicest man. He needs a good woman in his life. just doesn't need to do this on his own right. anymore. And, and uh, I had no idea it would be me. Oh my and gosh. so, yeah, when he initially asked me if I would maybe go out with him, I said no, <laughs> just because I just didn't look at him that way. Yeah. And God started really dealing with my heart and said, Kelly, this is, you know, open your eyes. This is what I have for you. And so we got married on Christmas Eve in uh-huh. 2017. And yeah, that day I went from totally independent woman, never like I remember waking up the Christmas morning yeah. And I hadn't been in a house with any, like I've been on living by myself for 20 years and suddenly the house is full of people. And I woke up like, oh my gosh, this is, my world has been turned upside down, but it's so great. The kids are all amazing. You know, a number of them now are married and having their own families and they're all very close. And uh, yeah, I've learned so much about life and about myself and I love being a grandma. What do they call you? ever. Well, most of them had known me before, so they still just call me Kelly, yeah. but the really little ones call me grandma or oh grandma. grandma. If they can't say grandma, they say grandma. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, so I'm grandma. <laughs> this is so exciting. I didn't know you got married on Christmas Eve. And so it's funny because you wake up, Jesus' birthday. Now you're married. Yeah. Now you got all the people. And now you're <laughs> grandma. Now I'm grandma. <laughs> what a life. I love it so much. It's been wonderful. Definitely an adjustment, but such a great one. Oh, I love it. Well, Kelly, this has been such a fun conversation for me because <laughs> I love talking to people about their yeah. jobs that I don't know, but also right. like, how does your faith work into that? And I yeah. love the way that you approach every single one of your clients and every Thank single one you. of your, your babies, your athletes, yes. your boys. <laughs> If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because 
If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I would love to hear from you. What are you loving and what are you reading? Uh, loving and reading. I'm a, the biggest Andy Andrews fan, so I've been rereading a lot of his books. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read anything by Andy, but it started with The Traveler's Gift. That's the one book I've read. Yes. My grandmother, was that, an, it's an older book, it's right? It's been around for a long time. Okay, so my yeah. grandmother, I'm going to verify this when I go home because yeah. that book is on my bookshelf at my house. Oh my gosh. And I think Such it has a, a handwritten note for my grandmother and she's passed Aww. away since now and she gave me that book. So it's meaningful. It's very meaningful. Yeah. And I love his story because he, I mean, if you know anything about Andy Andrews, he was, you know, homeless at 19, like lived under a pier and read a bunch of biographies and wrote this book. And then it was turned down by 51 publishers before it finally got picked up and became you yeah. know, number one New yeah. York Times bestseller. And Andy has now become a dear friend of mine. Aww. And he's written uh, his book, The Heart Mender, I just recently reread. And it really is about forgiveness, but it's wrapped in this unbelievably amazing yeah. story. He wrote The Noticer. And so I love Andy. I'll never stop reading love reading that. and rereading his books yeah. and highlighting and getting something new every single time I love that. So and did he write the foreword for your he book did. i saw he that did, which was so like when i found out he was going to be writing the foreword first i was really nervous for uh-huh. him to read my book <laughs> I know. and then of course i'm reading it reading the foreword when he wrote it and i'm hearing it in his voice mm. and i just can't believe that yeah, someone kind. i admire yeah. so much would be so kind and so sweet so yeah so love reading Andy. We'll always be reading Andy Andrews. I don't really watch a lot of TV. I actually didn't have, I didn't own a TV until like 2009, yeah. like from 10 or 15 years. Didn't watch. So I just got out of the habit. I don't yeah. watch TV. I don't even watch Netflix, which I know I'm probably the only This is American. how you're running a, a company right. uh, over here, Kelly. That's what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> and spending time with my nine grandkids. Yes, exactly. Um, so no time for TV, but I love Blue Bloods. That's my husband and I watch that together. I That's love our it. little appointment TV mm-hmm. each week. You know, okay, I'll have to brag a little bit. I'd met last year, randomly, I went to a dry bar for the first time. Ugh, you're and, speaking my language. Oh my gosh, so my get this, my first time stepping into a dry bar when I was I was out in LA and Allie Webb, the founder, <gasps> was there. Oh my gosh. And they were shooting a Mother's Day ad uh-huh. and actually my daughter-in-law was with me and they asked us to be in the Mother's Day ad. So we were in a Mother's Day How ad fun. for the dry bar. But I met Allie Webb and just adore her and we've become friends and she just started another company called Beckett and Quill that okay. does jewelry and I'm wearing a couple of pieces <gasps> Ooh, I like today. it. I can see it. And so I'm kind of into her right now. I'm kind of into Beckett and Quill. That's so fun. <laughs> uh, dry Bar, I, I think I'll be visiting one of their locations tomorrow. <laughs> I did not know how much I would love that mm-hmm. until I started doing it. And for me, often, you know, we haven't traveled a lot since COVID and stuff, yeah, but previous same. to that, if I would travel to an event to speak, uh-huh. I would just stop in at a, a Dry Bar. Yeah. 
on the way there. It's fantastic. Because yeah. here's my, you want to know my reasoning? Mm. I can work while someone's also blow drying my hair. Yes. I can't work can while I'm productive. blow drying my own hair. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, guys, I'm productive here. It's totally worth it. It's totally worth it yes. to be productive. <laughs> so I love that so I much. I love it. Uh, yes. Well, you know what? This has been a joy, Kelly. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on. And you guys, uh, Kelly's book just released, The High Impact Life. So you can get it wherever you get books. Check yep. that out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly, for sitting down with me. And can you believe that when she got married, she automatically became a grandma? Is that not the craziest thing ever? I love that so much. Guys, check out her book, High Impact Life. You can get it wherever books are sold. And guys, we'll see you next week with my guest, Hosanna Wong. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show, because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make Make us laugh and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy. And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes do you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing? Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 